a fun episode today. Well, I mean, it's fun in terms of the listening. I'm not sure if we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun talking to each other. I have a great guest, um, Hornets expert. You can follow him on Twitter at a couple of spots. I'm one at Hornets lead, um, all together one word. The other at Hive Hoops. Um, check that out. Also, the name of the podcast that he hosts. His name is Joshua Balta. Um, j- check him out on Twitter as well at Balta77, B A L T A. 7-7. Joshua Balta is here to join me talk Hornets offseason. Joshua, sir, how are you? Man, I am doing phenomenal. And I'm glad that you asked for me to be on. Uh, Running the whole pod, Hive Hoops. Uh, Thank you for that intro. intro. That was just, uh, you know, you had a lot of information, letting everybody know where you can find me, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'm excited to dive in and talk some Hornets. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, you are – I listen, I'm a big fan of your show. Obviously, been fortunate to be on it. You know your Hornets basketball, ears to the ground. Like, it, it's really cool. So, I appreciate this. I mean, yeah, let's let's talk Hornets. We got a lot to catch up on. I'm taking it back. We're right now recording this. Summer League Take is ending. Yeah, we're going back. We're going to the beginning. Um, Draft night. Scoop versus Brandon. We actually discussed this going in. I think we both had a little back and forth on what we kind of agreed. We definitely agreed on, like – where we thought the Hornets would go and just or where they should go, philosophy, all of that. Now, we see what the front office ultimately went with. Um, going back there, we're going to start with that, and then we'll kind of play it out. What were your thoughts on draft night, like maybe two minutes after, even a minute after the selection, when you realized that instead of Scoot Henderson, the Charlotte Hornets were going to go after Brandon Miller? <laughs> Man, <laughs> I, I was, I was face in hands. I was pounding the table. I was <laughs> irate. I was like, this organization did it to me again. Like just when I think that there's a layup, when I believe that this thing, like it can't get easier. Right. It's almost like back going back to 2020 when we drafted LaMelo, it was a layup. It was in our hands. Like, the way that the draft board fell, you know, it just – it was LaMelo and nobody else. So, it was so easy. And I thought that's how it was going to be when the Charlotte Hornets struck gold at number two. I thought that it was was a two-guy race at the top. It was Wimby. It was Scoot. I had them clear one and two. And then I had a large gap between Scoot and number three. And I personally didn't even have Brandon Miller number three on my board. Um, I had some questions. Yeah. Um, I had some questions about his shooting uh, where a lot of people deemed him to be an elite shooter. I -hmm. actually saw him as more of a streaky shooter. Uh, He started Mm -hmm. out flaming. He was hot. He was blistering early on. But then as the season waned, and you got into SEC play, and then you got into SEC tournament play, and then NCAA tournament play. He shot 19% from three down the stretch. Um, In like the final, like 15 to 19 games, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head currently. It's because I'm trying to put that behind me. I'm trying to to move on, on, right? But (laughs) you you asked for this. You brought me back to I did. I did. So you're bringing up all these feelings and emotions again. Um, <laughs> I was full blown scoop, man. I I thought, and I think where there was such a 
divide for me and where it was just plain and clear, I felt like Scoot Henderson's game translated immediately. Day one, coming to the league and making an immediate impact offensively in the locker room. Uh, defensively, you know, yeah, he's a small guard, so maybe – but, I mean, he has the body. I don't think that Scoot's just going to get picked on. I don't think guys are going to look for the switch and then try to get him in the post. Like, mm-hmm. he's a big body. He'll at least have leverage, and I think he's got the right mentality. I think he has the right mindset to where he can work through those things, to where his size, yeah, where he lacks in height, he gains – Ooh, you know <laughs> yeah and not just your wingspan yeah 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 and so I felt like his game translated immediately to where Brandon Miller I feel like we're going to have to wait for a lot of his game to develop because he has to get bigger he has to get stronger in order for certain elements of his game to translate to today's NBA uh, especially with him playing at the wing and I know that we're going to get into this more with, you know, my thoughts on summer league and different things like that. But I think that's where I really fell was I'm tired of waiting Mm -hmm. with this team. Like we are entering year four with LaMelo and, you know, he, LaMelo translated immediately. Like we saw what he could do. Now, are there aspects of LaMelo's game that has to improve? Of course, Mm -hmm. but he can impact the game day one. And we saw that rookie of the year second year all-star last year was just hellacious across the board (laughs) really i mean it just is what it is you scrap it throw it in the trash we move forward right Mm -hmm. but as far as you know i'm tired of waiting and i think the fan base is tired of waiting and maybe brandon miller ends up being better long term than scoot just because he is that prototypical wing with length and size and shooting but day one, I, how many how many years do you have to wait before Brandon Miller is better than Scoot Henderson? And then does it ever even happen at any mm-hmm. point during their career? And I think that's where I fell. And I just – I wanted immediate impact. I feel like the fan base is tired of waiting. I'm personally tired of waiting. Like I stated, we're in year four of LaMelo. We've got to get this show on the road. We have to get playoff experience at – some point because you're not going to just show up in the playoffs and immediately have success I mean we're seeing that with Memphis we're seeing that with Minnesota you're seeing it with multi with the multitude the the Cavaliers and their young core they're not having success early on because they don't know anything about the playoff life they don't know about how the game changes once you get there and Mm -hmm. you know the game really tightens up and it becomes half court and you know teams defense you know, becomes even more valuable, no matter what KD says. And, you know, you just have that aspect. And it's that was my biggest, I think, reasoning as to why I truly wanted Scoot. I don't think that Brandon Miller is going to, you know, just be a bust. I, I don't believe that. And I know that we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's why I was so frustrated draft night. I'm just tired of waiting. I'm tired of hearing the word development in Charlotte. I'm tired of it. And I wanted, and I felt like Scoot day one comes in and he translates, he produces on the floor. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm with you all the way. Like when I saw it, I'm like, 
the smoke screen is a joke, you know, it's like the Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, like it's going to go one way and then it's going to go the way we, I mean, actually the reverse of that. In this case, Steam was picking up that it was going to be Brandon Miller. And I'm like, are we serious? You know what I mean? And then I'm like, okay, you know, hopefully it's like a big smoke screen. We'll go back to Scoot. So when I saw that, I was like, what? And instantly my mind doesn't just go to how good of a fit Scoot would have been with LaMelo Ball because like, Yes, I think that would work. You have the drive kickout game. You have the ability to man the second unit if you're Scooch. You have the ability to play off ball if you're LaMelo and shoot the three. Or, you know, if you penetrate and you kick it out to Scoot, Scoot can then leverage his, you know, ability to drive to the basket and his athleticism to open up another shot opportunity for another teammate. And I go the guy, in my mind, I made a joke about this before. Like I said, I hyped up Wesley Johnson um, in the sense of like, yeah, like Brandon Miller, his shot looks good. I, I did not like his finishing at the rim, he showed some flashes of creating in the pick and roll, but not enough that I look at him like a Paul George or anything. Like, you know, not at all. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, yes, in theory it could work, but you are not like if you're going, oh, we need to play. Um, if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you're going, oh, well, you know, we're looking for a proper fit alongside Lamelo in terms of a positional fit, and that Brandon Miller can do that, you know, and and play uh, uh, the three, you know, with LaMelo at the point and Rozier at the two and, you know, all the good things. Like, let's look back for a second. You're drafting second overall because you finished 27 and 55. Positionally, anything can go. At this point, like, you're not, oh, we are all set X, Y, Z. You're really not. Like, no, I mean, (laughs) the fit conversation was always ridiculous. it bewildered me. I had, I understood it absolutely zero. Like, just coming off of the summer of last year, right, and then the season, and I, you have multiple spots where you can always improve. And so the fit and the whole like running two guard system, yada yada, whatever. You get the best player, you make it work. And I, I couldn't wrap my head around why that just continued to be a part of the conversation. Like you just go get the best talent, the guy who you believe is going to be the best player. And it's that simple. And it was always scoot for me. And, you know, maybe the Charlotte Hornets front office didn't see it that way. And in some of their remarks that they've made, uh, it kind of leans to seem that they believe that Brandon Miller was just the better player. Um, Or at least they fit. He fits the mold of what they believe the better player should be and will be. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we all know they're elite drafting talent. Okay, just kidding. But, like, no, jokes aside, I just – I really wasn't a fan of the way that went down. And also it opens up bigger questions. For example, right now, um, who's the backup point for Charlotte? We don't have one. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so out – at Hornets lead, uh, I run that Twitter account and uh, mm-hmm. all the other social accounts as well across the other platforms. But I put out a graphic the other day, and it was Charlotte Hornets rotation as it stands today. And so P.J. Washington wasn't in because obviously he hasn't signed, and I know that we'll talk about that here in a moment. But for backup point guard, that's another gap. And I just had a question mark there. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And, like, we have way more forwards than we do guards, like, Mm -hmm. that are actually in conversation for rotational minutes. We have a slew of guards 
in Charlotte, but none of them are NBA ready outside of a handful, like just a couple, not a handful, Mm -hmm. just a couple. And so fitting Scoot into that rotation, whether he's, you know, starting at the two, whether as a rookie he comes off the bench and he's playing, you know, 20 minutes a night until he gets his footing, until you see what you need to see and you can kind of work out your rotational minutes and different things of that nature, whatever the case is, I thought he met the more immediate need than Brandon Miller ever did. Yeah. No, I agree. And when you look at that, especially now with Dennis Smith Jr. going to Brooklyn, big opportunity there. You talked about the guards that you currently have, maybe trying to think about We'll talk about Nick Smith Jr. in a minute, um, but maybe trying to play him in a point guard role, which I didn't think he's best fit as. He's not as comfortable. You still have James Booknight, and Lord, we'll talk about him in a minute as well. Like, you're right. A plethora of guards is not NBA-ready guards for the type of winning that Charlotte wants to do, um, I guess, because of the selection of Brandon Miller. Like, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You're right. From positional need, um, I still think you would have been a better fit playing, you know, picking um, Brandon Miller. I mean, not Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. Like, you know, you still Gordon Hayward on expiring contracts, see what happens there. Like, you could find a guy to play the three. I'm just saying, like, in my mind, it just made more sense. But this is where he went with. Um, and, you know, before we even go into Brandon Miller more and watching him and, and our feelings and how that might have changed, let's talk about the Hornets' other draft selections of the evening. You know, they also had um, Nick Smith Jr. They also had, I think it was James Najee. Um, yes, what did you? Yeah, what did you think about those two players? So I thought that Nick Smith Jr. was the steal of the draft. I had him number nine on my board. And so I know – Leading into this past season, before he ever played and stepped foot on the court in Arkansas, he was believed to be a top five draft pick. Mm -hmm. If you looked, he was always top 10 on nearly every mock draft coming into, you know, last season. And then he dealt with injuries. He dealt with, you know, playing through injuries and shot not falling, some turnovers, different things of that nature. And so he obviously fell. But when the Charlotte Hornets, I I was sitting there at 27 and I just, he continued not to be selected. And then another team would go and they wouldn't select him. And I'm just like, oh my, like this is going to be dream case scenario. No matter what my feelings are about what happened at number two, I mean, that's still, I'm still going to feel that. But when we selected Nick Smith Jr., you know, 27th overall, I was ecstatic. That that made the night so much better. And it I was able to stomach the night at that point. Um, and I felt a lot better about it. At 31, the Hornets packaged two draft picks. I believe it was 34 and 39 in order to move up to get James Najee with the 31st overall pick. That one, I didn't love that selection as much right there at 31. And I guess the main reason for that was I wanted Jordan Walsh. I was a big Jordan Walsh guy. I thought, you know, best perimeter defender, you know, in the draft. That was where I viewed him. Offensive game, yeah. But in my mind, I'm thinking if he can develop a three, he can be P.J. Tucker for the next decade in this league. And he's he has the size. He has the defensive mindset. And if he can just give you a consistent 35, 36% from three, I think that he has a 
long career in the NBA. And so I was a huge Jordan Walsh guy. Um, I didn't mind selecting James Najee. I was just that high on Jordan Walsh. So when I saw us moving up, that's who I really hoped that we had targeted there because I actually had Jordan Walsh uh, 22nd on my personal draft board. I was much higher. I saw a lot of mockers. He was in the 40s. Um, but he was 22 on my board. He had a great summer league. And so every time I see Jordan Walsh, uh, highlights from here, you know, throughout his career, I'm always going to wonder what could have been. Cause I think he fit an immediate role with the Hornets, just being so elite defensively on the wing. Um, I thought that he could have come in and made an impact or at least push some guys, uh, rotationally speaking, but, uh, you know, James Najee, he showed out uh, Summer League. I know I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit, a little bit more. So I'm feeling better about that one. Um, and then Amari Bailey was drafted 41st. I really didn't have I was going to say, I buried the lead on him. Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. Um, I really didn't have that many thoughts on Amari Bailey, uh, On honestly, just because um, I, he was lower on my board. He did. I didn't have a first round grade on him. And, um, you know, so he was second round. I don't mind picking him up. Athletic, former All-American and, you know, top five recruit coming out of high school. So I like the flyer. Mm, no, I agree. I think that it's a solid. I mean, he had uh, some solid plays for sure. Um, starting together a solid game, a couple of games. Like I really do right. Like it was a flyer and one that I thought was interesting given kind of how it ended up going, you know, but I'm definitely with you. Um, I definitely like the other selections better. I am very high on Nick Smith Jr. as well. Uh, just feel like he can definitely be that kind of guy, you know, where you, he was a, 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 a up in, in, in consensus lottery mock boards and such before the season even started college-wise high, right? And injuries obviously happened. He played through those injuries. Like that may have been well for the locker room and for the team. Didn't do too great for his draft stock. But end of the day, I see a smooth combo guard. He's not really good at embracing physicality, but he is good at getting to his floater, really smooth jumper, can play out the pick and roll. We saw him and Brandon Miller get hot, you know, to one of their final games, and we saw a lot of the shot creation and craft that Smith brings to the table. And so, yeah, I agree. Like, he can really get together and be that guy. It would be even nice if you had him alongside Scoot because then you have your potential Terry Rozier successor. But here we are. Don't want to go too long to that. Let's move more into Summer League now. Um, so we saw the good. We saw the bad. We saw a whole lot of ugly. Um, Charlotte, was a lot just, ugly. <laughs> they were just not very good. They look like one of the worst teams in Summer League, uh, if not the worst. They lost their first four games before finally getting a victory in their final contest. And, and listen, we understand. Records really don't matter in July. But at the same time, with the amount of young players Charlotte has, and, and, and more importantly, with the amount of young players Charlotte has that – they're probably going to be relying upon next season at various levels. Um, we were hoping to get some more pop. We didn't get that. So what were your thoughts? We'll start with, of course, the the, the, the crown jewel of the draft class. I'm just kidding. In Brandon Miller. Um, and then we can kind of talk about Nick Smith Jr. And then also some of the incumbents. We have James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's, you know, uh, Mario Bailey. What are your thoughts on on these guys? And we'll, we'll start with uh, Miller. So Brandon Miller, uh, pretty lukewarm on him. Um, he did piece together his final game of summer league. 
I thought the Hornets actually made the right decision in shutting him down after he scored 26 points. He had easily his best shooting performance, his best performance overall for that matter. Um, and I think the Charlotte Hornets did a good job of shutting him down just to carry that momentum, right? You want to, you want to finish on a high note. You want to finish, you know, positively. And even though the Hornets didn't get the win, you would have liked, uh, you know, just to see those guys be able to scrap and, you know, piece together a win, just to kind of that winning mentality, right? It's at the end of the day in summer league, what you're looking for is personal performances, personal growth guys that can actually impact the, you know, senior squad, the actual Charlotte Hornets. You want to see them be able to piece some things together, right? And so it is what it is. But, yeah, I his shooting, like I stated already, I, I saw him being more streaky coming out of college, and he demonstrated that over his – You know, first, I believe his four games, he was shooting seven of 26 uh, from the field, and it just wasn't great. The self-creation wasn't there. Uh, His first step, it wasn't quick. Uh, A lot of times he was being stonewalled at the point of attack. He couldn't beat his man. Um, I I liked his willingness to pass. So, I mean, if I want to name his positives, I like his motor. I thought he showed, you know, a good motor. I thought that he showed a willingness to pass in summer league where you're the number two overall pick. A lot of people would say, hey, man, go get yours. I thought that he did a good job of not forcing the issue too often. And then uh, his handle. I thought he has I come away from league more impressed with his handle than I did, you know, pre-draft where I was already pretty high on his handle. I like what he can do with the ball in his hands. Uh, As far as dribbling, he can get the rebound. He can bring it down the floor. Uh, He's looking to advance pass. Uh, Not a lot of flashiness with him, uh, and I'm good with that. I like that when the ball doesn't stick. If, you know, he has the ball, like he's swinging it. It's nothing nothing sexy. It's nothing, you know, that anybody's just going to, you know, go crazy about. But I like that the ball doesn't stick. Uh, the negatives, uh, he didn't shoot it that well. He did in his final game, so, you know, that's good. Obviously, when, once he's playing with LaMelo Ball, uh, he's going to have good looks. He's going to have more open looks, so hopefully that translates to where he's knocking down those shots. I think that's really what it comes down to because he's going to get good looks playing alongside LaMelo. LaMelo makes everybody better offensively. Defensively, puts people in some precarious situations because he's a gambler. <laughs> He's a gambling man. Yes, he is. But when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, he makes everybody better. And so, uh, you know, looking forward to that pairing. Uh, But the self-creation is a concern. Finishing at the rim, he shot 44% at the rim in college against top 50 collegiate. 44%. That would have been bottom of the league last season. Mm. And that's not NBA talent. And so mm. that's part of the concern with me where I'm looking at him and I'm like, we're going to have to wait for the development. And that's what I alluded to already earlier where I'm like, man, uh, like I don't want to wait for the development part. Um, so, 
year one where I think he can impact this roster is hitting shots. And hopefully he can be a neutral defender. I also came away uh, with more questions than answers from him defensively. Mitch Kupchak mm. on draft night stated that we see Brandon Miller as a guy who can, you know, guard one through four at some point in his career. Right now, I see him maybe being able to guard one position. And that I even have questions about because the one position that I think that he may be able to stick with is the small forward position. And you have most of your best players in the NBA play the small forward position. Mm. So how many times is he really going to be able to just neutrally neutralize, I guess you could say, your opponent from the one position that he can guard? Because he's not quick enough to stay with guards. He's not big enough to stay with most power forwards. And so I I think that there are more questions than answers on the defensive end. And that – and we were told and we were sold that that was where he was going to have, you know, some of his pluses. You know, that was going to be a positive day one is his, you know, wing defense. And I didn't see that because he struggled against guys named Champagny and Santos. <laughs> and uh, what's he going to do against guys named LeBron James, Jason Tatum? What's he going to do against guys named even Andrew Wiggins and Chris Middleton? Well, now Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton might cook that guy, right, yeah. after mm-hmm. a, after the viral, uh, you know, video. Oh, that was hilarious. That's another thing. His awareness of – I mean, it wasn't a big – it was not a big deal. But, like, you see other guys who knew the NBA through and through, and you got a guy who doesn't know who Chris Middleton is and thinks that um, – who, Paul George, the best player in the NBA? Like, um, calm down, has- my guy. He has some sound bites, that's for sure. He, yeah, he most certainly does. He's, yeah, and also it didn't help, like you said, that he did, you know, streaky. Like you said, he had some good stretches for sure, notably his final game. But overall, he shot thirty-five percent from the field and twenty-six percent from three. Yeah, um, all of which the Hornets lost. He also struggled with foul trouble. He basically committed four point seven fouls per game. You talked about that defense um, and just some struggles there. Like he was not solid there, and and that's just what it was it was unfortunate but it was a reality like he didn't come to the table you know bringing the type of play that you wanted to see from a number two and get it and we get it like like it's again summer league but at the same time i I just didn't think that he looked that good in terms of like okay Shaw made the right decision um based off of our initial look like let's see how we can build off of this like right now our expectations are like okay can you make some shots um, and then even more for me, I really – I kind of want to talk about him for a second. I really wanted to see James Booknight look great. Like, I thought, okay, a couple years under his belt, there's going to be his third season in Charlotte. Let's see what he can do. He had a 28-point game against the New Orleans Pelicans. That was pretty nice, right? But this dude was drafted 11th overall. Um, he really should be dominating, in my mind, the level of competition he's facing. And yet, over his four games, he shot 38% from the field. 27% from three, all of that to lead up to 13.5 points per game. He didn't look like a, a natural playmaker, didn't look like he'd do that very well. Defensively, um, what was there that we saw? Because I didn't see a whole lot there. Like, he just was out there. Um, I, I just, I don't know. And this is a guy who shot 35% from the field over his first two NBA seasons. So, I, I don't know. I, I think those two players are the biggest disappointments to me for different reasons. One, you were drafted higher in Miller. I expected to see a little bit more. Two, book night, you've been in this game for a second now. You were drafted pretty high relative to you, your play. I would hope to see more there as well. James Booknight is done here. I mean, <laughs> you are over it. 
James Booknight is done. And sorry, I know I'm uh, all over the place with oh, my screen now. Computer's dying. I'm having to check on my kids. My wife's all at school. She's a teacher, so she's oh, getting ready for the new school year. Okay. All that good stuff, right? All the fun. You yes. are fine. Hey. I appreciate hey. taking the time, even with all that happening. So thank nah, you. man, look, we good. We good. And so check it. I'm going to try to get my – there we go. Get my shiny forehead right here. Nah. But, um, now, James Booknight is done here, man. I mean, it's just you're you you are heading into year three, as you stated. You stated all the stats, eleventh overall pick. Some people had him as high as fifth on their board uh coming out of the 2021 NBA draft. Um, I I was not that high on him. Uh when the Charlotte Hornets drafted him actually on that night. This is something uh, you know, and this isn't to toot my own horn, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with it i was like okay yeah i hope that he's good but i know a lot of people like when james Booknight fell they were like oh yes like this like we got the steal of the draft i i, I never felt that way i i kind of saw it i had questions about his shooting um i had questions about his handle and then that's his handle is loose mm-hmm. i mean there is nothing tight there is nothing clean about that handle um, there was a lot of discussion and a lot of discourse about the Charlotte Hornets, you know, not bringing and not playing a, you know, traditional point guard in summer league. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk across, you know, socials and, you know, private settings, private chats, different things. Right. But that didn't bother me because I want to see what these guys can do. I want to see what, you know, James Booknight can offer. I want to see what Bryce McGowan's can do. I want to see if Nick Smith Jr. can play point. And so that didn't bother me. But we saw that James Booknight can really do nothing for your team where he adds positive value. Mm. And he is entirely buried on the roster. I mean, Mm. there is no path forward for James Booknight to receive any rotational minutes with the Charlotte Hornets at any point soon. It's just mm-hmm. not there. Fresh start, you know, cut ties, you know, I don't, you can't get anything for him at this point. He has no trade value. Mm-mm. You probably have to attach a pick to him at this point. It is what it is. Start fresh, start over. It is what it is. Yeah, I feel you. I, I, I feel sad to say the ship sailed on. Um, the James Booknight experience, because I wasn't as high on him either, but I definitely did like him as a prospect, thought he'd be a nice fit. Again, these backcourt minutes, like how long are you going to go with Terry Rozier? Every trade deadline, he does spark interest, you know, among contending teams. He's been linked to Phoenix for a couple of years now. You can get something back for him, get a player that's younger, fits on the timeline alongside LaMelo. Like in my mind, having a successor to him makes sense. And also trading him to recoup any value you can before you don't have any. Like, that also makes sense. Um, but for them not to do either, to me, it just seems kind of silly. And for them to make this pick on book night and for him not to be ready going into year three, not great as well. So I'm definitely with you on that. I think overall, um, somebody just kind of left me with a bitter taste in the mouth because you're looking at this squad and you're like, all right, I expect to see a little bit more from some younger guys here who definitely had a little bit to prove and wanted to you know, show, hey, that I basically belonged here in this sense you had other guys who 
have been in the league for a minute that I wanted to see more from them, and that didn't happen either. So it was it was all bad. Um, it was all bad for sure. I don't think I had a. <laughs> I feel bad it saying terrible. it. Terrible. It was yes, exactly. It was like that one book, the terrible, no good, very bad day. Like that's what the whole summer league <laughs> felt like for the Charlotte Hornets. But um, yeah. I, I liked Nick Jones. I liked Nick Smith. I liked Kai Jones. I think that they showed promise for sure. Um. I I was surprised not to see JT Thor there, but that was interesting. Quite um, interesting. I actually have some thoughts on that. Oh, please share them. So, JT Thor was not brought to Las Vegas or to the California Classic. Zero summer league whatsoever. I think that this gives you insight into what the Charlotte Hornets front office believes that they have in JT Thor. They obviously believe that he is above Summer League because they sent their two first-round picks from the 2021 draft, but then they did not send their second-round draft pick in JT Thor to Summer League. And Mm. so I think that what this tells us is that the Charlotte Hornets front office is much higher on – JT Thor than the general consensus from the public. And what this could mean for the Charlotte Hornets, this may be why PJ Washington has not received that $16 million, you know, per year offer from the Charlotte Hornets that was reported over the weekend because maybe the Charlotte Hornets feel like they have a good replacement, a solid replacement for P.J. Washington in one J.T. Thor. And I think Mm. by him not being included on that summer league roster, I think you can glean that kind of context from this entire situation. Really? I I mean, I don't know where else you could be because if you ask me personally – when it comes to P.J. Washington, I think it's a no-brainer you bring him back. I think that he's worth 16 mil a year. I mean, you just saw guys like Rui Achimura receive that, that same ballpark deal per year. That's true. And I think worth, yep. You just saw Isaiah Stewart receive that from the Detroit Pistons, which I think yep. that took everybody off guard. Uh, it I think took me. Kind of like, where, where does that come from? Be Stewart? Exactly. Getting sixteen milli, like what? I think, honestly, I have a th- I have a theory on that. I feel like he's gonna be a trade chip, and that that money is like matching potentially in some yeah. bigger move at some point. Either that or uh, Detroit definitely overvalues their guy because I definitely didn't see that number for him. No, but I mean sixteen million. I mean just to what you alluded to, that is a tradable contract for a young player who can still get better, can still improve. And PJ fits all of those. I just, Mm -hmm. if you move on from PJ Washington, because now the reports are saying that the Charlotte Hornets would rather sign and trade PJ than bring him back on the qualifying offer. You are razor thin at power forward. I mean, you have Miles Bridges who can play there. You have Gordon Hayward who can give you some minutes there. But how many minutes is he going to be healthy? That's always the question with Gordon. Yeah, every year of this contract since the minute it was inked. Yeah, before. <laughs> before I mean, you had when the reports were coming out that 
I mean, the deal wasn't even finalized yet. And the Charlotte Hornets were talking about when they were talking about stretching Batum in order to bring on Hayward. Yeah, I mean, that was doing? like that was the the talk. It was mm-hmm. he's always injured. What are we doing here? And so it's just <sighs> JT Thor is the only other option that you have that can really play those power forward minutes at this point on your roster, unless you give Kai Jones some spot up minutes, but he's more of a center. He Kai Jones, we really don't know where he is, where he can fit in an NBA rotation. And it's just, man, I just, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions surrounding the Charlotte Hornets team currently. And, we're just we're just not getting answers and we're not getting uh, solutions. No, that's and that's just the long and short of it. Like that's the stram truth, and it, it sucks to say that, but we're not. And yeah, that this just wasn't. I mean, this front office. We'll have to have another episode at some point breaking down the major moves of this front office over the last um, over the last couple of um, over the last couple of um, years, just because that was ridiculous. Um, in terms of the Gordon Hayward contract, but there's been so much more nonsense there as well that we could definitely kind of go into. And I definitely, I mean, we have a long summer. I am totally down this show. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're doing yours. I love and my, my NBA history. I'm big on that, both recent and distant. So like, that's something to break down. Hindsight, all of that, because this is wild. But going from here, let's kind of, you already brought it up. With, with JT Thor, how you feel about him, and maybe the Hornets feeling like they have the replacement for P.J. Washington, which I think is just ridiculous. Um, JT Thor is nice, okay. Like, P.J. Washington can play games in May. P.J. Washington can play games in June. Not that it's going to happen in Charlotte, but he could. Um, I, I, I don't – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just – I didn't mean to say it like that, but at least <laughs> not for the next three years in my mind, like, that's not a Yeah, thing. no. JT Thor, like, no, I, I could see games where he is not – a good fit there. So going to PJ Washington, the free agency period for Charlotte's going without a whole lot of fanfare. You have Miles Bridges back on qualifying offer, right? Whatever it's going to go on with that, we kind of know, but he's back for this year. Fine. You already know him as a player. You already know his fit alongside LaMelo Ball. Not really a whole lot to talk about there. And honestly, not a whole lot to talk about him in general, right? But going to PJ, which you thought you might get more noise about because he is one of the, I wouldn't say premier free agents this year, but definitely in that second, third tier. Um, not a whole lot of noise there. Uh, and, and, and the noise that has come out has been pretty bad because it seems like Charlie just like undervalues him and doesn't want to pay him up to 16 mil, which seems about average when you look like you mentioned, Rui Hachimura getting that. And that may be an overpay for the Lakers end, but not by much. And also Rui played very well in the playoffs. So I just want to go taking this back to the P.J. Washington situation. How do you see this all playing out for Charlotte? Because I'm not feeling really good about it, but I'm definitely very curious about it. So I think P.J. Washington is just a great fit on any team across the NBA for what he gives you. Mm -hmm. He would be a top six rotation guy on every team in the NBA. I mean, you have 30 teams. You multiply that by six players. That's 180 guys. He is assuredly a 100 a top 180 player he's probably a top 125 player maybe it, I, I mean pj washington is good i mean he's nearly a 37 percent uh three-point shooter for his career he is a true three and d type guy 
He can guard multiple positions. He can guard the power forward position, and he can guard multiple centers even. Now, can he guard your Joel Embiid's? No, not many people can. Can he mm. guard Jokic? No, no no one can. We saw that. Mm. Um, but when it comes down to it, PJ is – he's versatile defensively, okay, and he has a pretty good three-point stroke. His three-point numbers dipped last season. That's also because his usage went up because everybody and their mama was out last year for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, the offense played through P.J. Washington at points. I mean, he had a 40-point game. He had multiple 20-point games down the stretch. I mean, he shows that and has shown that he can produce and he can give teams winning basketball and that he can help anybody. Um, I think that he plugs a lot of holes on this roster. And if you don't have PJ, I think that you have borderline not NBA rotation at power forward. Um, you're playing Miles Bridges there at that point, if that's what you're doing. And Miles Bridges, going back to the last time that he played in the NBA, he was best when playing the three. Mm-hmm. His uh, plus minus numbers when playing small forward um are like five six points higher than with him being at the power forward position uh gordon hayward uh aging vet uh power forward really isn't his position either and then if you have jt thor as your backup he's 20 years old um and he's just he's not he's like you said he's nice and i like jt thor i I truly do but Mitch Kupchak stated, so the Charlotte Hornets do like a behind-the-scenes, like, access videos. And uh, so, like, they did one uh, draft night. They did one when LaMelo signed his extension with the team. And there's a scene where Mitch Kupchak is shaking LaMelo's hands, and he said, we're going to win. Mm -hmm. And that message falls flat on me when you say that we are going to win, but then you're willing to just – allow to trade away PJ Washington or let PJ walk and not meet a an agreeable number of $16 million per year. Mm -hmm. Um, and replace that with JT Thor. That doesn't send a winning message to me. That doesn't send the message to the remaining roster to everyone else that this team is serious about winning because PJ is the best two-way player on this roster. Um, defensively and offensively that is right mm-hmm. um and that just that doesn't send me the right the message and i it's lost on me in those yeah you're, you're not inspiring confidence with that no that's you're not sure, you know and, and that's and that's and that's important like if you are a fan base we saw how the fans reacted at the watch party at charlotte for the brandon miller selection like this this team's been on the downhill you, saw, the, you saw hugo you yes. saw how the the team mascot, the actual mascot, represented, which like, wow, that and that's telling. That that is actually telling, you know. And so you're not really giving this fan base something to go. You know what? Okay, there's a plan in place. It's going to take some time, but they're building the right way from the ground up. You know, acquiring prospects that have really good potential, and we got a good infrastructure in place. We have a solid coaching staff direction. Our front office knows how to build. Like we're not really seeing any of that. We're not even seeing uh, shredding me- mediocrity. Like, the idea from what we think the front office is trying to do is do that, right? Like, just kind of play in that middle area. But the actual results 
have not been that. Like, even if we throw away last year, which I am totally okay with because last year, injuries, right? The year before that, mm, so-so year, blown out, embarrassed, just straight up dust, just destroyed in the playing tournament. Season before that, exact same thing. So, like, yeah. you're not even really competing for mediocrity. You're just, like, there. And and you're right. You got, you got LaMelo Ball heading into year four, which isn't crazy to say, but he is. And what are the other building blocks around him? Miles Bridges is a mess. Like, that's just not even in the picture right now. P.J. Washington, you're purposely saying he's not in the picture right now. Uh, Brandon Miller, okay, we'll see what he brings. Uh, Nick Smith Jr., okay, Amari Bailey, possibly. You know, Najee is in there. Uh, James Booknight certainly isn't. Kai Jones is in the area. Like, you look at these guys, and you're just like, okay, if you were to do a young talent ranking, and I'm going to do that at some point this 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 offseason of these teams, like, the Hornets have a lot of young players. Um, but they probably dead last or next to dead last in the talent department. And some of that's because other teams are so good in terms of their, you know, potential core. And other reasons are because Sean is just so bad. And that's just, that's the, that's the brunt of it. It's sporadic. It's so sporadic because like the front office, Mitch Kupchak, you know, how, how much longer are these guys going to be here? You have new ownership coming in. And then, you know, how long is Steve Clifford going to be here? They're both in their final years of their contract, both Clifford and Cupcheck. Mm-hmm. And Cupcheck is coming in. Yeah, new ownership coming in. I mean, they're probably gone. Let's be honest. They're both, I mean, up in age, you know, to put it nicely. Um, and Mitch Cupcheck repeatedly states that really the only avenue that he's going to use in order to build this roster is through the draft and yes he's hitting the draft on certain guys obviously Lamelo ball that was easy it fell into your lap I thought that it was going to be easy this year as well with Scoot Henderson you went with another guy but you know there were a lot of people that have Brandon Miller number two apparently on their board so I mean really really can't blame him I guess in the long run um, I mean, well, in the I long still will. You're the front can't. office. Like anybody can have anybody on the draft board. You're the one that's in charge of the team moving forward. You should yeah. have a better idea of being able to, uh, like, uh, basically look at talent. You know what I mean? And and yeah. evaluate that. So, I mean, if he turns out great, okay. But like, just because some guy from you know some draft board or myself or you or anyone says that, that's our opinion. We're entitled to it, but we're also not running the Hornets. You know, we don't have anyone to answer to, really. Yeah. No. Um. Miles Bridges, we traded SGA, the rights to SGA for Miles Bridges. I mean, looking great. Oh my gosh. Looking great. Cause he, him and LaMelo would be a great fit. Yeah, they would. I mean, SGA really fits that two guard bill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just scoring punch, power, all of that. Maybe you don't draft LaMelo at that point. I think you probably still do. Uh, if, you, if, you're, oh, if you're Charlotte, that'd be hilarious, though. But the same logic that they applied here. With Brandon Miller, let's say they go I, with James I mean, Wiseman. you know, it's that butterfly effect. You don't know how it affects everything. That so. is very true. Very true. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, butterfly effect, it can go a number of routes. Um, but P.J. Washington was a good selection. Mark Williams is looking like a really good selection. I'm That's high true. on Mark Williams. Me too. His defensive capabilities. I am through the roof on Mark Williams. Um mm-hmm. And he because his ability to switch. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he's got nice touch on his shot. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a guy that can give you 10 to 12 points. And so when you ask about the outlook of the team, here's the crazy thing. 
Mm-hmm. Even though the Hornets have missed in various areas, they still have some pieces that have kind of worked out for them in LaMelo Ball, in Mark Williams. Uh, Miles Bridges is coming back. Hopefully he can be that, you know, borderline all-star type player again. And then you hopefully Brandon Miller hits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Rozier is a good basketball player. He's a top 100 player in the NBA. Gordon Hayward, when healthy, is still a top 100 player. Even though I don't agree with the contract given out, even though I believe that that has stunted the growth and the direction of this team for the duration of his contract, when healthy and on the floor, these guys can still produce. And so mm-hmm. here's the thing. When I look at the Eastern Conference, you know, I, I'm i not terrified of many teams. There are five teams that I see that are just better than the Charlotte Hornets if the Hornets are whole and healthy. Mm. And you have the Celtics, you have the Bucks, you have the 76ers, you have the Heat, and you have the Cavs. Outside of them, mm-hmm. I think the Hornets could be, at best, move into a top six. I mean, you have the Nets, you have the Knicks, you have the Hawks, you have the Raptors, you have the Bulls, you have the Magic. None of those teams just strike fear in me. Okay, They just don't. And so, I mean, you're looking at those teams. The Nets were propped up by KD and Kyrie last season. They went on a losing streak once they were traded away. They were propped up enough to where they still made the playoffs. Uh, I believe they got swept, right? Did the Nets get swept? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, no fear. The Knicks, sure, they won, I, I believe, 47 games last season. The year prior, they won 38 Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jalen Brunson, yes, he injected some talent into that roster. I think that they are better. Josh Hart, the same. Do I think that they're that 47-win team again? I personally, I'm not really worried about the Knicks. I'm just not. Um, the Raptors, Fred Van Bleet's gone. They uh, you know, replaced him with Dennis Schroeder. They're mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. They might trade off Siakam. They may trade off OG. They could get worse. The Bulls are running it back on full mediocrity. The Wizards are. I'll, I'll, I'll be. I'll be absolutely surprised and enthralled if the Wizards win more than twenty games. I'm still not worried about the Pistons. The Magic. They have a lot of young pieces that are good, mm-hmm. but nothing that just like like Lamelo Ball is better than any player that the Orlando Magic have. Um, and so, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and I don't think that that's something crazy to say. I think Miles Bridges is probably better than anybody that the Orlando Magic have. So now you have two players that are better. Whoa, you're low on Paolo, though. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I like Paolo. Paolo. I, I would say I don't know. I, I, Franz Wagner too. I'm not. I'm, I I would agree with you and try to over Franz. I like Franz, but I think Paolo Paolo yeah. something different to me. Eh, okay, I I can but see that's that. Interesting. No, I like I like the the perspective. I really no, agree look look. We've had a lot of agreement. Look, sorry, I'm getting back up. Just got to check no, on the kids. You're good. Um, got to take that glance. Okay, uh-huh. we're good. Um, but no, as far as, you know, we've been agreeing a lot, right? I like mm-hmm. some disagreements. I'm I like them too. Good basketball discourse. There's sometimes some back and forth. There's sometimes some different outlooks. But no, look, like I, I believe that um, – let me try to get this light out of out of here. No, you're just- um. I believe that 
I mean, Paolo's shot, I don't believe in it a lot. I think that he has to really get downhill. I think that he has to use his mid-range. I think he has to use his post. He does a great job of using his body and his athleticism on second-chance points mm. um, and down low. Uh, I think that he's creative. But honestly, at this point in this stage of their career, now I think Bancaro will probably be better uh than miles bridges but at this stamp which you know a lot of what i'm saying about miles bridges right now too he hasn't played in a year and so we really don't know what version of miles bridges the hornets are going to get this season but if they get back to near all-star is paolo bancaro going to be sniffing near all-star this upcoming season some people would might say yes mm-hmm. but i mean they i don't know ball. yeah if they can play 500 ball maybe mm-hmm. um but i i'm of the uh, belief that we have multiple better players than the magic so i'm really not worried about them currently uh obviously the pistons not worried about them um they they have 18 centers on their roster um like what are they i feel like they're just trying to like you said they're positioning themselves to make a move in order to acquire somebody at some point they got monty williams in now which i love that move for them I wanted the Hornets with as much as I like Steve Clifford, and I actually think that he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to like go get Monty, and because how many more years of Clifford do we have for real? Like, if we're being honest, yeah. Like, how many more years? How do you do that with like? How do you go to Cliff and say, "Hey, Cliff, you did a great job. The season was what it was. It's not your fault, but like." There's this coach that's available, and it's Monty Williams, and we kind of want to go that role. Do you want to take a front office, you know, <laughs> role? Yeah, just um, you want to kind of want to be become like, you know, do you want to kind of move up a little bit? Um, yeah, so we can kind of get this thing rolling. Yeah, because you know, Monty is that, younger, but yeah, and Monty's just younger. He's a culture Although, guy. I will say this, and I, this is where I'm gonna have to disagree with you again. Uh, Monty Williams. This is why I'm actually like Detroit. Good on them for getting their guy, but I don't know if that was right for them. You have a guy in Monty Williams hasn't necessarily won anything, right? Like got to NBA Finals with the Suns, right? Each time the Suns have been eliminated, well, first off, they had a lead in the finals and lost the, the series. Let's not forget that. Then get embarrassed by the Mavericks. Then we see what happens by the Nuggets, right? And back to back playoff exits, right? Also, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, the Pelicans weren't great, but he didn't do a whole lot back then in charge of them. And what we haven't realized has been a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with him alienating players. And we're talking guys like Jay Crowder, guys like DeAndre Ayton. doesn't matter if you're a journeyman like Crowder. doesn't matter if you're number one pick like Ayton. Both are on the outs with the coach being part of the issue, right? Dysfunction and friction between the coach. You're the coach. You're the leader of the team, and you're involved in all this. And then you're going to say, okay, we're going to take this guy who, like, yeah, some people like him. Some don't. I'm going to put them in front of young players who are trying to win, but also trying to show that they're worth in the league and all of that. And you have a guy who's clashed on winning teams. And we're going to say, okay, he's the guy to take us? I don't know about that. That's why I'm like in Detroit. I don't think that's a good fit. You have guys, you have a battle in the front court. You have a log gym there. You have Marvin Bagley. You have James Wiseman. You have um, Jalen Durant. You have guys, number one picks and, and, and top picks like, you know, uh, Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Asar Thompson all mixed up together. 
Um, very few of them can shoot. All of them definitely want minutes. All of them can play. Um, you have a guy who's not very good at managing personalities on a veteran team that is trying to compete for the championship, but somehow you're going to do it for a young team that's trying to grow together to build that culture. I, I don't, I don't see it. So when when I I don't I, I agree with you in terms of a guy like Monty, but I don't know if Monty would be the guy. I'd like a Kenny Atkinson. I think he ducked the job if I remember or something. But like yeah. I would like to, yeah, I would like the guy like him, like a more offensive, visionary, younger guy that you're right can build the right way. And if Kenny ducked it, and Kenny's been looking for a job coaching, what does it say about the Charlotte culture? Man, I I'm generally. I try to be optimistic. No, oh, yeah, you do. In in that regard of, because I'm personally I'm sick of the whole small market conversation surrounding Charlotte. Like Charlotte's the fifteenth biggest city in the country. They're about to they're growing exponentially. They're going to continue to rise up that ranking. Now in the NBA, you put that into NBA terms. There's multiple teams in New York, so both of those markets would be bigger. There's multiple teams in LA. So those, you know, you add that to the market share as well. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have, you know, multiple guys or not guys, but teams that mm -hmm. are higher than the Charlotte Hornets as far as marketability. Correct. And so look at this little guy. This is my little cousin. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, bro. Go do it. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with it. Um, but you have multiple you have multiple markets that are bigger than the Hornets at that point, right? Mm -hmm. But people want to talk about the Hornets like they're a like 28th, 29th, 30th ranked market in the NBA. We're, when we're more like 20th, when we're not even like depending upon the market share and where you look, the Charlotte Hornets aren't even a bottom third market in the NBA. Like we're more in that middle tier. And so you hear people talk about, oh, Charlotte Hornets have to overpay to get free agents. Oh, it's small market, so you have to do this in order to, you know, get people to come here. You have to, you know, um, just hop on one foot, slap your head, pat your tummy, have your tongue sticking out in order to get guys to come here. Do things like the that. Because it's yeah, because you're the small market, and I don't, I hate that conversation because we're not. We're actually not like New Orleans, where New Orleans is tiny. We're not like OKC, where their market is just small. I mean, I hate that conversation. I hate that whole, uh, you know, discourse surrounding that. Mm. But when it comes to culture and when it comes to it currently and where I'm at, like you're not willing to pay PJ and meet kind of what he's asking for, or, you know, where it seems to be the the – area in which he's asking for money 16 mil ish right and then you have reports coming out that the charlotte hornets did in fact offer dennis smith jr a contract to come back to charlotte but dennis smith jr chooses to go to brooklyn mm. is it is it truly because he has better opportunities there is that truly the reason why because mm. because the charlotte hornets offered more money the Charlotte Hornets offered Dennis Smith Jr. more money. Mm -hmm. He had already been here. He already was in the locker room. He got to know the guys. He already like carved out a role. He was going to be the backup point guard. Sure, 
LaMelo Ball needs to be playing 33-plus minutes a night. So how many minutes are there for Dennis Smith Jr.? You're probably looking at 15. Is there more opportunity in Brooklyn? Possibly and probably, Mm -hmm. right? There probably is more opportunity for Dennis Smith Jr., who's looking for a longer contract, who was nearly out of the league, He's back in. He kind of cements himself as this defensive, you know, stalwart at the point guard position. Yeah. Who could potentially start? Who could potentially start? So maybe he's betting on himself and the and more opportunities. But with the injury concerns that the Hornets have had and essentially him being slotted in as that backup point guard, mm-hmm. I mean, he had a role that was basically already going to be handed to him. That is true. He, he could have definitely been elsewhere. the second unit. Yeah. I mean, they made, made sure of that by drafting Brandon Miller. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, essentially, he chose to go elsewhere. And so, what do these things say about the culture? What does mm. it say? Is there something there to where, you know, a guy that was in the locker room, he knows that this organization basically revived his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the older guys in the locker room, could have been that vet. He could have been backup point guard, solidified, but he chooses to go elsewhere. P.J. Washington, you're skimping him out on a couple million. Just why? Yeah. So the people part of this is looking a little, a little sus. looking a little hazy currently. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point, Josh. That's an excellent point. You're right. Like it's the little things. You know, it's the things between the margins. Like it all adds up to be bigger things. But if you take things bit by bit and check it out, it's okay. That doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. Like. Yeah, you know, Brooklyn is Brooklyn on a more promising trajectory than than Charlotte. I I guess it's debatable. I don't know. I mean, they're both kind of in the same muck now to me. Um, Charlotte's worse, so I guess you would say Brooklyn's a little better. But like again, you're right. If there's more money, did he feel more wanted? And some of it's that fickle relationship between free agents and teams and all sure. of that, you know, great stuff. But at the same time, like, yeah, maybe there's something to it. We've seen this, you know. You are have a, a owner, mind you, one of the greatest players of all time who's giving up his ownership, you know, uh, his stake of ownership on a team, and yet he's making the final call on a player that's going to be selected on a team that he will no longer have any active investment in. Like, things like that are just weird. You know, bringing back a coaching retread in, in Steve Clifford, as good as he is, for a team that doesn't fit the team he left originally. Remember, he left because they were going younger. Not really feeling that. They're still younger. And he's back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. Like, the math ain't math. And, you know, Mitch Kupchak and the, the, the weird decisions he's been making, you know, for the last couple of years since he was in L.A., to be honest with you. Yeah. But, like, going into that. So it's a lot of, of a weird mess of things. And, and I just, think that's where mm-hmm. I think that's where the fan base becomes so frustrated. And I think that's where the media, you know, starts to question really what is going on in Charlotte. Mm-hmm is all of that just combined. Um, Like, yeah, he's hit on some draft picks. Um, He also hasn't hit on some draft picks, Mm -hmm. i.e. James Booknight. Uh, And, you know, looking like Kai Jones, who continues Mm -hmm. to look two years away from being two years away. Exactly. You know? Yep, exactly. And then you have bringing in Gordon Hayward in LaMelo's rookie year – on a $30 million per year contract for four years, like, are you really leaning into the youth? Like, yeah, I understand that you need some bets in the locker room, but did you need a $30 million vet who has injury concerns? Mm -hmm. I'm not not quite sure that's the right 
option. And then mm-hmm. you fire Steve Clifford to hire James Borrego. And then when you fire James Borrego, now some things went down, like Kenny Atkinson spurning you and different things, right? But you just go back to Steve Clifford. It's like you're just – it's like you you don't – it's like the front office – has an idea of what they want to do, mm-hmm. but it's the same old thing over and over again, and it hasn't worked. So what are we doing differently in order to change the trajectory of this? Exactly. Thing? And and we know the answer, unfortunately. I don't think we like the answer. It's not really anything. It's the the, the treadmill of mediocrity. It's the same hamster wheel of ineffectiveness. And and here we are. So, and yeah. we even see this in, in during free agency. We see this take place to where last summer, now, there were a lot of, you know, factors outside of the Hornets control with Miles Bridges. But then the Charlotte Hornets allowed, the front office allowed that to dictate and just hold captive the entire offseason for the Charlotte Hornets. Okay? To where there were no outside moves made outside of bringing in Dennis Smith Jr. That was Mm -hmm. it. And then now this offseason, again, you're like, okay, they're going to bring back Miles Bridges. They're probably going to extend P.J. Washington on a long-term deal. What are they going to do with Dennis Smith Jr.? Is Kelly Oubre going to be back? They have the mid-level exception. Who can they target with the mid-level exception that they can bring in that can push for roster uh, for a rotational spot, not a mm-hmm. roster spot? We don't want roster spots. We have plenty of those. Mm-hmm. But rotational guys who can improve the product on the floor, and we're still sitting on that. We're still sitting on the MLE. A lot of guys have passed by. A lot of guys – uh, you know, the the free market or the free market, the free agent market has dried up. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of guys left. We still don't have a backup point guard. It looks like our power forward depth is just as thin as can be. What do we do? We're doing the same thing. It's like we're just waiting for things to fall in place. We're waiting for guys to develop. There, there we go back to the, one of my first points that I made when we started today. We're just waiting for guys to develop. We're waiting to see if JT Thor can be that, you know, possible PJ Washington replacement. Mm-hmm. We're waiting to see if James Booknight is ever going to get it right. We're waiting to see if Kai Jones and all of his athleticism can actually like be a plus on the floor for an actual NBA team. We're waiting to see if you know, Brandon Miller is going to bulk up and if he's going to be able to even come close to that Paul George type you know comp that people have placed on him and it's just we're constantly in this wait and see mode and you're in year four of Lamelo ball you're wasting away you know a good basketball player a top 50 basketball player mm-hmm. in the league you kind of want to expedite some things there has to be some consolidation of this roster there's too many young guys you have zero vets on this team who lead you know with their voice you have some that maybe lead with through example. Yeah, not a whole lot, you would imagine. But yeah, not yeah, but maybe some. But you just you need you have some just clear needs and you're not fixing any of it. And no. it's frustrating. And but then with all of that being said, where the East is. Like you said with the Nets, you said you would probably put them in the same tier, but you'd probably put the Nets above them currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look at it the same way. And then the Hawks. The Hawks are far removed from their Eastern Conference appearance, mm-hmm. their Eastern Conference finals appearance, excuse me, back in the bubble. 
I mean, they're just right there around 41, 42, 43 wins. And New York so, as well. Yeah, they don't strike any fear in me. Um, the Hornets, I could see them finishing if they stay healthy and whole, even with the lack of moves, even with you know the frustration of not being proactive, it seems, in free agency, in trades, trying to consolidate this roster and really bring in some you know quality rotational guys, mm-hmm. bet, et cetera. I could see this team finishing as high as sixth, but then I could still see them hovering around 10, 11, and possibly being out of the play-in entirely. It just really depends on health. It really depends on where the guys land, um, you know, on availability. It, it's it's all in the luck of the draw, which seems kind of crazy to say this about a team that you want to see an actual direction, right? You Right now, I, what are we trying to win, potentially? Like, are we, is the playing tournament the goal, you know, until the injury happens to LaMelo or something? And then it's the full reset, like the 2024 draft, in which case will you make another controversial draft? It's a lot there. And, you know, although we've had, it's been frustrating, like, talking about it and going, why can't they see, like, what the plan is doesn't make sense. But at the same time, you know, it has been fun to at least kind of break down some of this. And I guess we kind of covered the last question, but I do want to ask you this. And just to get the, the definitive answer, you have – you know, the, the the draft over, free agency over, and now summer league for the Hornets also over. What would you call your stock report on the Hornets as we head into the dog days of the offseason? Is it up? Is it neutral? Or is it down? It's down. Mm-hmm. Um, I Just coming in, you know, you win, you win in the lottery, essentially, right? You don't, you don't win the Victor Wimbanyama stakes, but you still move up to number two in a draft where I thought that there was a clear two. Um, so you're thinking you're going to get one of the, you're going to land one of those top two guys. You feel good about it. And then you don't. And then you feel like, okay, you're going to bring, bring back PJ Washington, who is a good rotational piece on any team, any team in the NBA, uh, could use a PJ Washington. You're like, okay, we're going to bring this guy back. The general manager has stated that multiple times they're going to, uh, you know, emphasize and focus on restricted free agents and bringing them back on long-term deals. You're like, okay, that's going to happen. And it hasn't happened. And now reports are coming out that sign and trade is more likely of an option than the qualifying offer. So he might be gone entirely. And then you don't have a backup point guard because you lost out on Dennis Smith Jr. Because he just didn't want to be here. And (laughs) then at that point, you don't add anybody with the MLE. You have a mid-level exception where you can essentially offer a four-year, $50 million contract, and you don't offer that to anybody. And at this point, there's nobody even worth that. So, yeah, you can still offer it. You can you could offer, you know, a partial MLE to maybe a guy like A.O. DeSumno of the Chicago Bulls uh, to be a backup point guard option, possibly, who's another young guy who's not a vet, who isn't really sure. Maybe he fills a one role, but you'd like to fill multiple roles, right? You you need some vet leadership on this team drastically. The G, the general manager, Mitch Kupchak, states that as well, that during free agency, going to look to add a vet voice in this locker room. You haven't done that. And so 
when you just piece all of that, and then the summer league, I, I almost left that out. Then you look at summer league and you have guys entering their third year who are not, they're not NBA players. Like James Booknight, maybe he has somebody take a flyer on him who was high on him in the draft, another team who, you know, would have liked to add him and maybe they can get him into the fold, bring him in with a leader around him who can kind of get his, you know, his head straight and, you know, hopefully build up his confidence. I want that for James Booknight, personally. I don't want to see him fail. I want to see him succeed. But at this juncture, it's looking no, like he's not an not NBA player. The patient just, is critical and about to die. Yeah. I mean, he's – yeah, life support and, like, one heartbeat per minute type stuff. Like, I mean, it's it's ugly. Um, And then you just – the summer league was what it was. And it's – I, I don't know how you could be up on the Charlotte Hornets right now. I guess the only thing you could say is, well, you have LaMelo inked for the next six seasons, mm-hmm. and you have Miles Bridges coming back on a prove-it deal, um, which I was fine with. I didn't. I was fine with that actually taking place and the Charlotte Hornets not meeting clutch sports and Miles Bridges' you know, commands and demands as far as what they wanted in a contract. It seemed like they were – asking 25 mil plus per year it's like no bro that's not how yeah. you do it here. no bro like you like you need to prove some things in your private life you need to prove some things in your professional life mm-hmm. that you've improved in both areas and that you can be accountable that you can be counted on that you can be trusted in all of those things before anybody starts throwing that kind of bag at you mm-hmm. and so Very i was true. fine with that i was fine with that but for the remainder of the off season Man, it's just I I don't know how you can be, you know, your stock be up. I it's because it's not. But even with all of that being said, I could still see a world in which the Charlotte Hornets finish top six in the East because I feel like the middle of the East is just so meh mm-hmm. that if the Charlotte Hornets, if LaMelo takes that step up. And if Miles Bridges returns to, you know, near all-star status and Gordon Hayward in a contract year, I do want to point this out. Gordon Hayward is in a contract year. And, and if he, he can stay healthy up during that. And he plays through some injuries that he sat out during in his first three seasons with Charlotte, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, maybe things start to start to turn. Terry Rozier, you know, hits some shots for you. Brandon Miller comes in and he offers you you know, some outside shooting. And Mark Williams is that, you know, really takes a step defensively and anchors mm-hmm. this defense. And then say you bring back P.J. Washington and he's a true 3 and D guy. All of a sudden, you throw all of that together, you could have a team that makes some noise. But at that point, you're counting on a lot of, a lot of things coming true. And the scenario the multiverse in which that exists (laughs) in which all of those things come true. It's Mm -hmm. not great. It's like Dr. Strange. It's the one, there's only one outcome, which works, but we don't know where that is. We don't. And because (laughs) there's, because there's another multiverse out there that exists Mm -hmm. where LaMelo ball does take the step up, but then miles bridges takes a step back because he's so rusty from all of his time off. And then Gordon Hayward gets injured. And then maybe in top on top of that, Brandon Miller does, you know, 
produce early on. And maybe Mark Williams does anchor your defense, but maybe then Lamelo takes a step back. Maybe injury. Then there's another one where Lamelo isn't, you know, taking the it's step so up that much. you hope for. And maybe Brandon Miller isn't even in the rotation because he's not ready. Exactly, and, and that would be horrible. There's just so much, man. That would be horrible. You're right. This was listen. I gotta say this. This is a tough <laughs> way to end the show, you know, because my stock also short answer. I'm also gonna say my stock is down. Just not a whole lot of faith inspired by the front office. Not a whole lot of faith inspired by the prospects that we saw in summer league. I plan on rewatching those games as soon as they're available on League Pass and just seeing what little nuggets I can get from it. But there's not a whole lot to get from it. So yeah, all in all, not great here. But what has been great is my conversation with you, sir. Thank you again for taking the time in the midst of everything you're doing to, to have a good conversation with me and talk Hornets basketball. Um, at least we had some fun doing that. Uh, listen, I want to give you the opportunity, sir, to share where folks can find you and your great work because you really do deserve more notice for the stuff that you put out Hornets coverage-wise. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I do want to leave this last thing. I am a Brandon Miller guy now. I okay. have to be. You, I mean, yeah, support. I have to be. So, <laughs> like, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who – you know, I was well outspoken in my Scoot Henderson love and how much I wanted the Charlotte Hornets to draft him. And so there's a lot of Brandon Miller fans who mm -hmm. they're like, nah, don't switch up now. What do you mean don't switch up? Like, I'm not going to follow Scoot fan. Henderson to Portland. Like, exactly. I'm not, I follow the like, Hornets. Like, like what do you want me to do? I didn't want them to pick them, but now that they're there, I have to back them up. That's kind of what do you, what do you, that's the delusional. They're about as delusional as Brandon Miller is at this point. <laughs> like, I'm going to root for my team to fail now because the guy I didn't want to on it. No, I still don't want him on the team, but the fact is here. Now I got room for him to succeed because I want the Hornets to succeed. Like, get out of here, yeah. bud. Some of these Brandon, like, come on, y'all. Be better. It's crazy. Like, I, I'll never understand that. Like, yeah, sure. I wanted Scoot. I still hold the position that I believe Scoot in the short term and long term will be better than Brandon Miller. I haven't changed in my position. Do I hope that that's what takes place? No. I hope that Brandon Miller ends up becoming the best player in the 2023 NBA draft. Mm -hmm. That's what I hope. He, I am a Brandon Miller guy now. So like, yeah, I, I have some concerns. I didn't, you know, see some things in summer league that I had hoped to see. And I, but a lot of that goes back to the tape that I watched him in college as well. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the same questions I had on him in college are the same ones that I saw when I watched him in summer league. They were the same exact things. And so it's not like I learned anything new, but I do want to state, I am a Brandon Miller guy now. I have to be. He's a Charlotte Hornet. I want to see the best for him. I hope that he exceeds all expectations that I have for him. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that he becomes the best player. But anyways, with all that being said, you can find me at Hornets Lead. Uh, I run all of the social media content for Hornets mm -hmm. Lead uh, at Twitter, um, on threads, on Instagram. We just started up on Instagram and threads. We, we've never really delved into that as much because, you know, NBA has long had a, you know, a foothold in the Twitter world. Uh, that's kind of the go-to place. Uh, for NBA discourse as far as social media goes. Uh, but now we are starting to fan over into Instagram and threads, so at Hornets Lead. And then, of course, you can also catch uh, Hive Hoops, at Hive Hoops, Twitter, Instagram, all of those as well. Uh, be sure to follow us. We usually uh, put out at least two episodes per week uh, at Hive Hoops, and that's just covering all things Hornets. I mean, from Summer League all of it. to Free Agency, Draft,
uh, preseason, in-season, game recap, trades, all of it. I, I love – I got to say real quick, your work is incredible in terms of Charlotte Hornets coverage. I, I love y'all. There's BuzzBeat. There's, like, a few other folks I listen yes. to for my own, like, enhancement of my own coverage. Um, and knowing you on a personal level and seeing the work you do, like – I salute you, sir, because it's it's really detailed stuff. And always on Twitter, always interacting. You know, it's just really good to see in this space. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Uh, listen, follow Josh on all those platforms. Uh, I, I, he already said it. I will say it again. Uh, at Hornets Lead, all one word, Hornets Lead, pretty simple to remember. At Hive Hoops, same thing, all one word, H-I-B-E-H-O-O-P-S. And then last and certainly not least, um at balta 77 b-a-l-t-a 77 so b-a-l-t-a 77 yes, yes, check him out for all of his stuff there he took the time here over an hour and 20 talking just Charlotte Hornets basketball and mostly depressing stuff but in a positive fashion <laughs> that's what we do here um you can follow me on twitter at corbin nba if you're so inclined i would definitely appreciate that um check out sports ethos on twitter at sports ethos online sportsethos.com um i am just getting into the sports ethos charlotte hornets handle i think it's ethos hornets so when you see that it'll be me uh probably interacting with my friend josh here and others but definitely sure check that out it's gonna be fun we're gonna have we're gonna try some fun here this year i'm um, this off season uh i'm gonna try to do some more historical deep dives probably have josh back maybe do a, a old some game footage look back at some things it'll be fun i want to look at some great hornets players some great seasons that have been done look at the front office and some of the best and worst moves they've done we got shows coming all summer even if the games are pretty much over so definitely make sure to stay tuned for that but for josh for myself we are frosty y'all stay frosty and as always until next time go hornets